Everybody knows you need to change your engine oil and your oil filter in your car regularly. Why is it that people know that preventative maintenance in a car, whether rotating your tires or balancing your wheels or changing your oil filter, why is it that people know that you shouldn't wait until the car breaks down before you go in and get things proactively checked? If you know that about your car and you don't have that same mindset about your body, then you are effectively telling me that you value your car more than you value your body. Hey guys. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of The Selfie Show. Where we are bringing the weekly dose of sweet and salty. I am Tori, the founder and co-host of The Selfie Show. I am a nurse, blogger, and podcaster. And I am Sam, a flight nurse, college professor, podcaster, powerlifter, and co-host of The Selfie Show. And today we are talking with the most jacked (laughs) doctor (laughs) to exist the fittest doc dr nick yes this is like nerd meets muscles um that's his quote by the way i love it i'm here for that that's like my favorite things i was super excited about this because i feel like this is very he brings a very predominant masculine energy to the show so this is gonna be a really good one for all the guys out there too so if your guys aren't listening tune in you guys turn it on loud you know why they're listening in the background so they get all the hot tips you know this is all about their health all right birthday girl okay um update i survived birthday weekend What was birthday weekend? Okay, so um, my best friends from college, there's seven of us. We used to do this traditional thing where we would get together once a year. And um, of course, the past two years, we we bypassed that. And so this year, we decided finally we rented a house in Carlsbad. And all of us together, minus two of them, one was getting, one's in med school, so she couldn't come. And the other one's getting her IVF. They're going through IVF, so they couldn't come. So it left um, seven kids, five families, and one house all together. Jacob and I, of course, are the only couple without kids. We survived and we thrived. That was a lot of children. That's a lot of children. That gave me anxiety just seeing it on your story. Oh my god, I know it was. I spent two hours with my niece and nephew, and I'm exhausted. I, know. I don't know how you parents do it. Shout out. It's insane, and this is you know we've talked a lot about it here. Like Sam and I are very much in our in our element with being. I'm so selfish, right? You can call it in your element. I am gonna <laughs> straight up say that I, I'm not speaking for Tori. I'm speaking solely for myself. I am selfish. Yeah, me too. And I take care of my dogs, but they will nap with me all day. Yeah. Well, and I feel like we're like selfie moms. So I love that for us. And actually, this is actually really cute. Okay, so I was terrified about this whole weekend. And it was a course birthday weekend and they were so sweet. So they gifted me a selfie necklace. It said selfie on it. And it was cute cute because it kind of was like their way of acknowledging like we know how hard you're working. And obviously you're not a mom, but it was just really sweet for them to like kind of acknowledge that we know how hard you're working. And obviously they are all in a different element with their being moms and being so busy but it was really 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 sweet sweet. actually yeah it was really really nice so yeah so the weekend was good um how about you how's your week been Uh, (laughs) i've been in a grumpy funk i'm trying to shake it off but like i don't know i know we're both gotta just reset and then today's rainy i've been grumpy kind of bitch today tori had to like check me a little bit (laughs) i just like i don't know the rain and then we've been so busy i don't i've had I've had the most insane shift in my entire 10 years of nursing career oh, this yeah. past week, and I can't really speak about it, but just holy shit, guys. Yeah. Sometimes what we do 
when you step back, and I know my other healthcare providers feel this, sometimes you're in a situation and you're doing what you need to do to get through that situation, save that life. And like, yeah. we say that so jokingly all the time, like, oh, I save lives for a living. But sometimes we really fucking save lives. Right. And in the moment, you're doing your job. And then you are not in the moment anymore. And it kind of just hits you. And you get home and you're like, how do I even decompress from that? Actually, Tori and I are going to do a full episode coming up sometime before the end of this year about grief and dying. And how we cope. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes grief doesn't even necessarily have to be associated with the death. So we're going to get all into that, actually. And I think it'll be a great episode. But I think this weekend, I just, I did nothing other than just sit around and like decompress yeah I don't know it's just there's so much I think between my personal life and then everything at work that it just all kind of hit me and I was like I don't know how to sit with all of this emotion at once but it's just a lot and I don't know what to do with it and then today it was rainy and I just was a little testy at work this morning before coming down to Redondo and then driving here in the rain and I haven't eaten so I've just like been on one today (laughs) and I think I'm PMSing I, to me, I'm like, the stars have to perfectly align for me to be like, <laughs> I'm like, I need to be well rested, well fed, well caffeinated. I need to like not have any other work stress. And then I will be like a pleasant person. How's like, your iron levels? I don't know. I actually want to get them checked. So this time my doctor didn't order follow up labs. The, after the first iron infusion, he's like, wait a month, draw labs, let's see, and actually make sure it was effective. This time he was like, we knew it was effective last time, so he didn't. But I don't know. I'm still tired as shit. I know. I kind of want to see where I'm at. I'm like, maybe could I get a double dose of iron? Just yeah. like really top off the tank? Yeah. Speaking know. of which, well, since we're on this topic, I had my well woman visit and Sam uh, told you this. So, which by the way, took me like two months to get into, which is crazy. That's bullshit. Yeah, of course. Um, But it's funny because Sam and I both have been going through like low grade exhaustion and mine actually I found out that I have a low TSH, which we talk about here today with um, Dr. Nick. But it's interesting because this is actually a really big message to all of you guys too, is just we know we, we've preached this a lot, but just make sure you're checking in with yourself and do your annual visit. Like it's, it is important to, you know, tap into your health and know what's going on. And it's not normal to feel tired and like shit all the time. Yeah. We accept that as normal. And I think because there's so many memes about it, like, oh, this is just 30 now, just <laughs> tired and broken. It's not normal yeah. to feel that way. So if you do get checked out, check it. Yeah, definitely. Um, so my favorite of the week, I have to shout this out. Okay. The first one is Succession. So I am absolutely obsessed with this series. It's on HBO. and I But I have a bone to pick. Give me okay. your HBO login, yo. Oh, yeah. If any <laughs> selfie share. listener wants to DM me their HBO login, I we will gladly all, accept. We should all share. We should all share. Sharing Here. is caring. Sharing I'm is way caring. too cheap to like. I know pay for any more streaming well secretly we're on um jacob's mom's account yes, so see? We'll i want to know how many people actually pay for their own no one does streaming we all we all share <laughs> we all share okay so succession you guys it's um i'll give you the quick premise it's about the logan family and they're known for controlling the biggest media and entertainment company in the world and it goes through they, they are based out of new york and it's all these things i'm obsessed with it but a lot of these shows are going back to releasing one a week which really bothers me because I'm like, I want to be able to binge this show, yo. Like, I don't want to have to like stop. And then, you know, it was Sunday night and I would have loved to be able to like lay down and watch a couple more episodes. Like that would have been great. But now a lot of these shows are going back to releasing one a week, which really bothers me. 
No, I have to binge watch or I can't do it at all. Yes. It's like, I almost feel like we should just wait until the rest of it comes out. Yeah. But a lot of these shows are, I have a feeling maybe, I think Yellowstone's going to do that too. They'll do one a week just to draw it out. I don't agree with that. I know. I thought we had evolved. I thought we were an evolved species now. Like I'm too ADD to like sit there and then not go or remember to go back to it the next week. Yeah. Even my gripe with Netflix is that then it takes like a year and a half between seasons and I don't remember what happened last season. Mm-hmm. I love Ozark, but whenever oh, that yeah. new season, who the fuck knows? Is there one coming out in 2022, allegedly? Mm-hmm. I forget. Mm-hmm. It's like, then I what? I got to go rewatch all the previous seasons because I forget. Yeah. So I feel like they do this on purpose. <laughs> They're torturing like, us. Seems... They're definitely torturing us, but that's definitely my favorite one. I also watched, um, just a quick one, the Brittany Murphy documentary. Did mold kill her? Or is that a spoiler it's... alert? No, okay. Oh. I'm not going to spoil alert. Okay, don't spoil alert. But I will alert. say I this because, well, okay, so. That shit was shady, though. So shady. But I, okay, I didn't follow it very closely. I think her mom's weird. Oh. Something's up with the mom, right? You're, you're going to see. I have all these conspiracy theories that are predating, like, documentaries. Like, I'm deep in the, like, internets. Yes. Conspiracy of these celebrity shit. Yeah, the, it's really good. But it's interesting because she was just old enough that we, she was just ahead of us, of us that I didn't really pay attention to it when it happened. And now re-watching it, I mean, she was in Clueless. She was in some really iconic movie do you want to know what i'm gonna be for halloween as i'm totally hijacking this let's do it oh my gosh so oh this comes out literally tomorrow yeah so this will already be so i'm giving everyone the spoiler alert to my halloween costume share from clueless oh you are yes genius the yellow love it the yellow skirt oh perfect the plaid yes the yellow plaid i love that for you yeah so good except it's so tight on my arms because i'm so buff (laughs) that i'm like totally tommy boy like fat guy in a little coat like i put it on and i was like if i flex michelle this, and it's gonna rip <laughs> it's so tight on my arms oh that's iconic and i love this for you yes. wait where are you going are you gonna do anything fun oh uh, my gym's having a Halloween oh i love that party yeah fine. and i always have to win best dress okay obviously. perfect yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's definitely you're thinking for halloween so we're going to be in Vegas. We're going to a horse show. Oh. Um, I should. I just, you know, we're not as good about that as like Halloween. You have the costume from my birthday party a few years ago. <laughs> that's true. You guys were Batman and Robin. <laughs> oh, that's true. I do. Or your pink Power Ranger thing. I should probably borrow that. Yes. That was an iconic Except I moment. ripped a hole in the ass of that. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> um, no, I haven't thought about that. I have but... so many. I have a bag of Halloween costumes in my closet. I'm just kidding. But I do. I really have a bag of. I love Halloween. It's my favorite holiday ever. Like, yes, Christmas, cool, whatever. No, Halloween slap. What was your birthday that we all dress up as Power Rangers or um, superheroes? It was I just wanted an excuse to wear of the pink Power Ranger costume. So I made everyone for my birthday dress up in superhero costumes and do a bar crawl in January. Yeah. We rolled up 25 people deep. It was awesome. In my pink Ranger costume, Tori and Jacob were Batman and and Robin. Robin. There was like Wonder Woman. There was, yes, everyone. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my record of the week. That one also is on HBO Max. See, someone give me their login so I can get the, the the scoop on Brittany Murphy. It's really good. I loved her. Yeah. And then she was in 8 Mile. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was in a lot mile. of stuff. Like you watch the the movies and how iconic. iconic it was, and you see like the progression of how she started. And then what to was where that movie ended. where she was the nanny to Dakota Fanning? Yes, they oh, she, they did that, that one a lot. One. The f- married. It was like a married. What was it, it was called? So good. Oh yes, but that one definitely is my record of the week. It's really good. Okay, I actually turned on the TV for the first time in October this mm-hmm. weekend. Love. And I watched 
the maid or maid. It's just maid. Okay. So good. I'm surprised you're usually light years ahead of me. Totally. So I'm I, I don't, shocked. Haven't seen so one. maid is about this young woman and her daughter live with the boyfriend. And I don't know why I said boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> and this isn't funny. And they end up in a domestic violence shelter. Okay. And then it's her story about how she she basically has nothing. Like, he handled all the finances. She doesn't have a cell phone. She had to start from scratch. So she takes on a job as a maid and starts cleaning houses. And then it just goes through her struggles with her own mom, with her ex, and everything. And you're just, like, rooting so hard for her because she's so pure and she's so genuine and she wants to protect her daughter and she wants what's best for her daughter. And it's like life does not throw her a break ever, it seems like. And it really just shows what our actual system is like for women of domestic violence and how hard we make it to even get government assistance and all the like the hoops that she has to jump through. And I, I would give up. To be honest, it's like, oh, okay, you want government-assisted housing and you want food stamps and you want all these things. You have to do X, Y, and Z, but you don't have access to this. And it's like the actual hoops that people have to jump through just to get assistance. It's crazy. It's crazy. And I don't know. It's You're just rooting for her so hard. And I binged it. I couldn't stop watching it. I was up till 3 in the morning on Saturday night. And then I finished the last few episodes last night. So good. Okay, we're going to have to watch this. Yeah, you would. That's like definitely Tori. Okay. Tori approved. Love that. Well, everybody like going to get over there. We got to watch that. Okay. Unpopular week opinion of the week. Here we go. A two star review looks way worse than a one star review on Yelp totally. or on anything. <laughs> totally. All right. Here's the thing about one star reviews on Yelp. They're usually not warranted. It's usually some irrational Karen that is bent out of shape over nothing. For sure. Yeah. They pop off. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like they're literally insane and they're going to town mm-hmm. and they're just like on this rampage and it's usually not. Yeah. But then necessarily like the two star, you know, you have to actively go in there and you have usually it's someone with constructive ish criticism, but it takes time to do that. Like you have to really think about your two star reviews. Two you know star I mean? is here's the thing about two star. It's you feel bad like you you're not trying to like bring yeah. them down or you're not on this Karen warpath. You're like, oh, God, I hate to do this, but right. this was so bad that I have to give you a two-star review. You don't have the heart to give them a one-star. So it actually is like a more... It's way more meaningful, I yeah. think. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I think two stars give way more power than one for sure. For sure. Look for those two-star yeah. two star reviews. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. Okay. We're getting into it today. Bring on the muscle. Here we go. Dr. Nick is a primary care doctor. He graduated from Ohio State University Medical School, and he practices as a primary care physician. He is a big into the CrossFit community since 2010. And trust me, if you go to his Instagram, You're you can see. tell. Mm-hmm, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. he's jacked. <laughs> um, so... What we love about him, though, is he implements so much of that into his medical practice with a methodology based on longevity, recovery, nutrition, and efficiency in movement. He also is martial arts turned CrossFit athlete and uses movement as a large focus in his practice as a physician. Which, obviously, we co-sign on that. So he's also using lifestyle changes in his medical approach with a really custom and tailored approach to his patient care, you guys. Today, we are so excited about this episode because this is really medical meets lifestyle. 
And Dr. Nick is really advocating to help improve our lifestyle with movement and really focusing on his patient's goals. So, you know, and the other thing that we talk about a lot in here is he's really, um, he's very pro getting away from self-defeating mindsets and really implementing a very proactive health approach versus reactive health solutions. This is a really good one, you guys. Turn it up for all the guys in your life because this is going to be a good one. We give a lot of tips and tricks for all the guys out there too. So without further ado, let's get into it with Dr. Nick. Okay, so we were just saying this off record or off, off the clock that I actually discovered you through my husband, through Jacob, who discovered you through CrossFit, which I think was super interesting. And he was like, you have to get this guy on. I want all the answers. I want all the juice. We need all the goodness. Jacob was fangirling. Nice. He no. was. Well, tell, tell Jacob I said thank you. I, I don't think I've ever met him. And yeah, tell him to send me a DM. I'll, I'd like to thank him uh, on my <laughs> he sends me a DM, I'll, I'll respond because, you know, this is awesome. I, I checked you guys out too. Awesome. Obviously, I checked out the selfie um, podcast, Instagram, and, you know, actually listened to one of your, uh, listened to one of your podcasts and um, thought to myself, I was like, all right, this is cool. I, I can, uh, I don't have to be so politically correct with these two. We can, uh, we can, we can have a good, a good time. So, <laughs> <laughs> right. We're a little spicy on occasion. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, since we don't have to be politically correct, what is your unpopular opinion? We yes. like to go right out the gate with that. I am a factory of unpopular Anything. opinions. I can oh, think I of love three it. off the top of my head, but I do have a lot. So the first one, kind of a joke, but I'm kind of serious. So um, nerds, uh, especially athletic nerds, do everything better. And I do mean absolutely absolutely everything better. i agree with that that's one I like that my second one that's because i'm a nerd though all right i feel like all three of it come on come on if you made it through any type of <laughs> medical training you're a nerd don't even deny it um Thank my you. second one yes. uh is um is that this is a really like this is a quote that i've heard that i i agree with and this is definitely an unpopular opinion ego is not your amigo it simply isn't and uh I can get in a little bit more into that. And then my third unpopular opinion is that nobody gets what they deserve. Everybody gets what they settle for. Um, so yeah, those are three of my unpopular opinions and we could, you could, I don't know, we could quickly touch on each of them. Um, if you want to know a little bit more about the mindset behind them, or you could just focus on one, whichever one you want. I think actually what I was drawn to is you do bring a lot of unpopular opinions. So I think it actually would be kind of fun to dive into those. Sure. Okay. So the first one about, um, nerds being just doing everything better is, so I believe in my opinion, a nerd is just someone who delves into the minutia delves into things that people kind of are very superficial about. They delve in and they want to understand how things work. And then when you understand how things work, you can optimize things further. You can make the, you can make it better. So, um, kind of being a nerd, in my opinion, furthermore, being an athletic nerd, you're never willing to just settle and be like, oh, okay, this is, you know, it's, it's good the way it is. No, screw that. You want to become better, um, in every aspect, whether it's your knowledge and with books, whether it's at the gym, whether it's, you know, with friends and, and deepening your relationships, you, you want to become the most efficient that you can in anything that you're doing. So 
um, yeah, I think that uh, there are not, I've come to find out in my life, there are not a lot of nerdy, there are not of uh, not a lot of athletic nerds. There are a lot of nerds, but I definitely have found, especially through med school, that there are not a lot of people who are very into fitness and also into the cerebral topics of life and kind of deepening their knowledge, which is why nerds have very, very much have an, uh, have this stigma of being dumb, right? Nerd, um, uh, athletic, I'm sorry, did I say that wrong? Athletic people have this stigma of being dumb. We know where you went with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so jocks obviously have this stigma of being dumb and then nerdy people have this stigma of not being athletic. So in my opinion, you know, you know, the best thing is to somehow combine the you're two. marrying the, you're marrying the two. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. As a meathead powerlifter, though, I completely co-sign that because yes, I I interact with a lot of um, meathead. Yeah. yeah, they are just meathead. total meatheads. And <laughs> right, it's right. like we'll get into talking even like medicine and stuff sure, and sure. they'll be so distrustful of science. And I'm like, OK, you're OK with your bathtub steroids that right. are made in someone's basement that's right. cool but then you we like want to argue with me about science right. and then my brain literally explodes and then i'm just like i can't but like <laughs> low-key my secret power lifter crush that i will not name on this podcast is like a total nerd Ooh. like like educated educated nerd and i'm just like okay which you're which like probably, which probably strong you more it makes you more intrigued right I'm like, you're strong, but you have proper, you have proper grammar and you believe right. in science. Like, right. Ooh, yes, daddy. Ooh, slam dunk. Yeah, right. Slam, slam dunk. dunk. We need more of that. In, yeah. Cosine. In, Cosine. Even more. So yeah, no, that's the best way to, that's the best way to, uh, to, to be in my opinion. Um, so the second one, ego is not your amigo. I think that, um, don't get me wrong. I think that everybody needs a certain amount of ego, right? As much as it reinforces your self-esteem and makes it so that you're not somebody who's insecure about everything. But I do think that there is such a thing as too much ego to the extent where you are unwilling to ask for help. You are unwilling to uh, acknowledge mistakes, unwilling to acknowledge that you may not know everything. Um, I had a really good uh, professor in residency. Uh, his name was Dr. Alborez. He told me one thing uh, one day that was profound. He said, you know, when you're done with med school or when you're done with residency, you're not done learning everything that you need to learn as a doctor. He, he told me, he was like, you, you're done learning as a doctor when you die. When you are 70 or 80, or hopefully you live a natural, a long natural life, but when you finally pass, that is when you're done learning as a doctor. And I mean, think about it, both of you, right? With, with this field that we're in, new research comes out every week, every week, and so many different medical uh, uh, journals. So with that said, I think that you always have to be willing to learn. Um, even in residency, I, uh, I always found it funny in residency, coming across other residents I remember very distinctly there was when I was a senior resident, there was a junior resident who uh, think he thought he, he spoke very disrespectfully to charge nurses and nurses on the unit who had been doing their jobs for 20, 30 years. And you have to keep in mind, you're a brand new resident, right? So you're a brand new resident. You're going to come in and you're going to speak in a way as if, oh, I'm the doctor here. You're the nurse. You know, you should listen to me. 
But then there, this nurse in front of you has literally 20 years of experience on, on you. So I thought it was hilarious as a senior. I was just like, I'm just going to shut up and see see where this goes. And he was absolutely wrong. And like, Let me get um, my popcorn out. <laughs> I know. I, know. I was like, oh, this is going to be great. This, and, and, you know, and I really hope that he learned from that. Um, thankfully, going into residency, even as an intern, I... I loved learning from nurses who were like, not all of you guys are super bashful with your knowledge and wanting to share, but a good majority of nurses absolutely want to share with junior doctors what they know. So, you know, when you're a, when you're an intern and you come on and you don't want to call your attending because you don't want to feel stupid, but you genuinely have a question, you have one of two options. You can be you can be dumb and be stupid and put in an order into the computer with incorrect dosing and and lead potentially to patient harm. Or you can ask a nurse on the unit and say, hey, listen, you know, I'm an intern or this is my first time on the unit. Could you look over this order? Could you tell me, does this look dumb? Does this Is this something you would recommend? And nine out of 10 times, in my experience, the nurses would love to help you and, and kind of give their knowledge to you. So I think that that's even more um, demonstrative of, of why ego is not your amigo, right? It's, it's your ego is only your, your friend to a certain extent. And beyond that, you need to put away the cockiness and, and be willing to ask people for help um, instead of, hurting yourself and hurting because even in a situation like that it isn't just the patient they would be hurting it's also their own knowledge because you got something wrong and you don't know that it's wrong so if you ever need to be tested on it or if another patient comes up with the same situation you're going to get it wrong again so instead of widening and broadening your knowledge base you are defaulting to your ego and just kind of being stuck in the same cycle so um yeah that's a little bit of ego is your is not your amigo and that's uh if, if you want me to go more into that, I can, but that's pretty much it. No, I think that's great. I feel like I really love your message where you're just like, you need to hear, hear out your patients. No doctor who is honest about their knowledge base will sit here and tell you that they have all the answers. Any good doctor who doesn't, isn't proficient in any field or can't answer a specific question will simply, you know, tell their patient, listen, I don't know, but give me a couple of days. I will look into it and I'll come back to you with it, with an educated uh, uh, opinion, right. And, and kind of give you my take on it. So um, yeah, I think that uh, that's, I, I'm very blessed to have a lot of patients who are, who are very like that. Um, so yeah, then the last thing, the last unpopular opinion that I brought up that the nobody gets what they deserve, everyone gets what they settle for thing. I just think that all too often, um, too many people in this world have a victim mindset and, um, it's, it's the basis of, of a lot of complaining that I see from a lot of people. And it's, and it comes from this place of entitlement that people believe that they deserve something and that simply because they deserve it, they should have it. And I've always been of the opinion that, listen, it's, 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 it's what all of our parents have told us, right? Um, that you, uh, you, you kind of, you get what you work for and you have to, you have to put in work for the things that you actually want. So I think that, you know, ultimately that I found that to be the truth with everything from fitness to education to, to, I mean, even relationships and your love life, right? You have to be able to put in the work. And if you settle for something by settling for something, you are essentially making a decision that you do not want better and that you are okay with that status quo. And as long as you are, you've made that, you've made that known that you are okay with that status quo, then that's, that's what you're going to get. And that's nobody's fault, but your own, you know, you 
came upon that. And that is what you, that's what, you know, um, you ultimately settled, settled for. And that's kind of what you get. So, uh, that's where that, that kind of unpopular opinion comes from. So kind of, um, piggybacking off of that, because you are someone who has worked really hard, not only in the fitness realm, but education wise, career wise, can you give us the background on your education, why you wanted to get into primary care, just your whole shebang? I, I, uh, from high school, I knew I wanted to be a doctor. I got a scholarship. Uh, the scholarship though was for engineering. So I went uh, the engineering route, got a, a degree in mechanical engineering, uh, graduated, turned around, um, applied to med school, got into med school, um, and uh, finished med school. Didn't know what I wanted to be in the first year, but by the a couple months into first year, I had a uh, I had a attending doctor tell me, "Oh yeah, you're going to be primary care for sure. That's what you're going to pick." And I was like, I, "You don't know that. I could choose to be a radiologist or a surgeon. You have no idea." And I asked him how he knew, and he told me that he knew because apparently, and you guys probably have good experience with this, but apparently doctors, um, especially doctors who haven't chosen their field yet, you can tell what they're going to be just by their personality, um, whether or not they're easy to talk to. For example, you know, uh, a, a, uh, somebody who, who's easy to talk to, you're not going to find them being a pathologist or a radiologist or a surgeon, right. because the one commonality <laughs> The one common thread with all three of those is, you know, they don't have to talk to a lot of people. Surgeons knock people. Yeah, I was I remember, like, you're way too nice to be a surgeon. Yeah. <laughs> you're way too nice to be a so surgeon. So I yeah. think that's how that's how the the uh, doctor in my first year of med school knew that I was going to be a primary care. He, he just told me, he was like, you're very easy to talk to and you can bond with patients quickly and you can kind of form that that rapport very quickly and he said that i characteristically see that in people who are gonna choose to be primary care doctors and i am very happy that i i uh chose that route because i'll tell you what if i was a surgeon i would kill myself that is not okay i am i just i can't do it it's it's not a fun time. Every time I was ever in the operating room in uh, in med school, I uh, I I was one of those those people in med school in the operating room who was retracting, you know, um, as as med students always do, and I would almost fall asleep on my feet. Like this is boring. I don't like being here. Why am I here? It's the worst. Honestly, when I shadowed in the OR, I was like, "This is like, are we done yet? Oh my <laughs> right? god, this is right? taking forever." For sure, for sure. <laughs> One of the things that you said that I thought was it was very profound, and something that I just think that I don't know, it really stuck out to me. So, you said something to the effect of advocating for yourself as a patient means knowing better than to pick a doctor whose mindset or values you will eventually clash with. And I just thought that this was very remarkable and something that I think we don't talk enough about in the medical world, right, is not everybody's going to fit for everybody. Can you speak Absolutely. to this a little bit about kind of where your your mindset is as a primary care physician? Like, Yeah. Uh, so I do right now, I do concierge primary care. Uh, and one of the one of the tenants of the platform that I'm a physician through, uh, one of their tenants is you need alignment with your doctor. And I did not, I didn't necessarily, before I started working for them, I couldn't wrap my, how do I say this? I, I couldn't articulate it as well as they did, um, that it's a very necessary thing. And ultimately what it means is that, listen, there, I do not think that 
my job as a doctor or your job as nurses is to be paternalistic over patients. We're not over here like, oh, you know, we're the doctor or we're the nurses and you're the patient, you should listen to us. No, I think that our job as healthcare practitioners is simply to be a guide. There are going to be some people who, for example, with the recent pandemic and vaccines, there are going to be some people who absolutely want nothing to do with whatever the recommendation is. They don't want to want anything to do with that. Right. Or let's zoom out and not even talk about the pandemic exercise. How, how long have we known now that exercise is beneficial for patients and so many people choose not to do it? Um, so I think that, you know, as opposed to uh, being very paternalistic over our patients and, and having mindsets and values that clash and always having this argumentative relationship between patient and physician or patient and nurse, it's, it's much more beneficial to go for a healthcare practitioner whose values and whose outlooks align with you. That doesn't mean that you guys are going to 100% agree with everything all the time, but it does mean that you are going to be, you're going to see things eye to eye enough. You're going to be at a level of rapport enough that if there ever is a question, if there ever is a, a, um, a, a contention between you two, you'll be able to talk about it without becoming emotional without becoming argumentative you're go you're going to be able to you know how many times have i had patients ask me hey dr nick what do you think about i haven't chosen to do this but what do you think about it what is your professional opinion and then i'll just give them my opinion and i'm not going to sit here and tell them you should do it um uh and and if you don't you're stupid like that's incredibly judgmental of me but i am going to tell them the truth i'm going to cite studies i'm going to cite evidence um, and, you know, I'm going to the whole time, though, you know, you guys have heard of EBM, right? We've all heard of evidence-based medicine. My, my issue with whenever a practitioner or a nurse or a doctor cites evidence-based medicine, they usually only cite the studies. But if you, if you, you need to keep in mind, evidence-based medicine is a triad where you look at the best available evidence, right? But then you also look at patient preferences, right? And then the last part of that triad is your... Um, your experience as a healthcare practitioner. So, you know, if you know that some medication has had a lot of side effects when you give it to a patient, even though the evidence says, oh, this is the best medication, but you've seen a lot of side effects with the patient or with patients of the past, you're not necessarily going to recommend that. For, uh, you know, additionally, if a patient, if you know that a patient has a preference for something that uh, isn't, um, uh, isn't, is something that you would recommend, but, but the patient doesn't want to go with that. They have a preference against that, then you're not going to recommend it. So I'm a big fan of evidence-based medicine, but it isn't just about the studies. It's the triad. And, and I think that, you know, uh, it's best that we remember things like that. Well, I think that's relatable for a lot of patients as well. Um, mm -hmm. I'm really curious about this. So you are insanely jacked you are a jacked human being like it is it is crazy um and i just curious like where did this all start because mm -hmm. i think it's just you know you're insanely in shape were you, you jacked when you were in med school right there you go were you too busy studying <laughs> um uh okay that's a that's a great question no i don't think i was i mean i don't know See, I feel like everyone has a different definition of Jack. If I asked my friends, was I Jack when I was when I was in med school? They'd probably say yes. However, in my opinion, I would say no. 
Um, in terms of where it started, so 2007, 2008, I was doing the whole Guido bodybuilder meathead YNCA. Oh, I'm going to go to the gym and, you know, I work my biceps, then work my triceps and work my pecs. And, you know, this, left. right, right. This isolated muscle stuff. And I basically remember one day I was watching the Olympics and I remember seeing like 120 or 130 pound Chinese woman during the Olympics clean and jerk like 230 pounds. And I was like, I was like, wait, 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 what? Like I, cause how <laughs> exactly that in my mind, I was like, how is that possible? I can't even do that. I'm a six foot three, you know, I don't know how heavy I was back then, but I was like, I'm a relatively, I'm bigger than her and I'm taller than her. How come I can't do that? So then that got me very curious about Olympic weightlifting. And, um, I basically, uh, checked out a, you know, uh, um, uh, checked out videos on YouTube about Olympic weightlifting. And I was way too scared to attempt the snatch myself, but I was all, I, I absolutely tried the clean myself and the, the jerk. So the clean and jerk. And, um, I have videos from like way back in 2008. I need to post that on my Instagram because my technique was atrocious and I was only moving like 75 pounds and my technique was just horrible. So I need to like, cause so many people on my Instagram will message me like, dude, you know, you're clean and jerking over 300 pounds. How do you do that? Blah, blah, blah. And, and, you know, and I don't think they can wrap their minds around the fact that nobody is born able to do this stuff. Nobody, like we all have to work ourselves up to it. So, um, you know, basically, yeah, that's basically it. Uh, in, in, I started with, with that. And then I moved to, um, when I started med school, I, as a way to not just study 16 to 18 hours a day. And cause I actually wanted to exercise and, you know, as a way to kind of relieve stress, I started Krav Maga at a local place in Ohio called, um, Ohio Krav Maga and fitness. And if you guys know anything about Krav Maga, it's basically a, is it's a, it's a self-defense class specifically for, um, uh, for, just just self-defense there's nothing there's nothing sport or artistic about it it's all about like oh you're a woman and a guy is trying to sexually assault you at a bar like rip his balls off and gouge his eyes out like super super it's it's very it's very very practical sounds good to me <laughs> i recommend it for everybody for sure um but anyway so i uh i started working out at this gym and across the the way in the in the same gym there were people doing crossfit and they encouraged me over three months. I resisted. They kept hammering, hey, try CrossFit, try CrossFit, try CrossFit. And I resisted because I, I, I thought it was hilarious that at the end of every class, even the most fit looking person in the CrossFit class was on the ground staring at the ceiling at the end of every workout, looking like they hate their life. So in my mind, I was like, why would I want to join? Like that looked like torture. <laughs> Accurate. That, that looked yeah. like torture. Why would I want to join that? Yeah. Sounds about yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. So ultimately I gave it a shot. Um, it was great. It was, it was a good time. And then, um, you know, to answer your question about med school and, and being jacked, I just kept up like, I, you know, I just did one hour a day of CrossFit um, uh, while I was studying, you know, in med school, I must've, I must've been going three to five times a week, you know, there were many periods of med school where I was like, screw CrossFit. I need to study. I need, I have a test, important test coming up. I'm just going to focus on studies for one month or two months. And I, I just didn't go to CrossFit during that time. So um, I think ultimately what that has taught me is that consistency trumps intensity. Um, 
when it comes to people just assuming, oh, you know, you look like this, therefore you just must work out really hard. I don't think it's just that. I think it's also the fact that um, I've consistently done this now for the last 12 years. I'm not, I'm definitely not a CrossFit Games athlete, right? I'm not a competitive athlete. I'm just a guy who tries to take care of my patients. And then, you know, I go to the gym one hour a day to kind of let some steam off and, and kind of de-stress. And then I come, I, and then I, you know, I continue to work. So I think that uh, consistency, it, it just goes to show you that consistency over the long term. And then obviously there are things with nutrition and sleep and there are other um, uh, elements outside of the gym that optimize your, that give you a higher return of, in, uh, uh, return of investment on your efforts in the gym. But ultimately you just gotta, you just gotta be consistent with things, you know? I think it's great because, okay. So I will say this, we talked about this too. I am personally not a crosshair. I have tried it. Mm-hmm. I have done it. I'm a little bit more. I would pay to see that. <laughs> I would literally pay so much money. I literally puked in the workout. It. it was just not for me. Okay. Like right. I, I, but here's the thing. I really love the CrossFit community. Yeah. And I will say this too, for your gym too, Sam, cause you do weightlifting, but like power, you, your power lifting, power lifting. It's an important distinction. The community. It is a very, and then because both sides don't like each other, like everyone thinks their their respective weightlifters think they're better than powerlifters. I know, I think it's which they kind of are. It's a little more technical. I'm not even gonna lie, but Mm -hmm. the community. Because on, I got my start. The first time I ever touched a barbell was CrossFit, Mm. like back in 2013. 2013 I started CrossFit I did it for like a year and Mm. that's the first time I did anything non just going to the gym and doing like machines like little thigh thigh machine (laughs) that was the first time I was like oh this is like fun right and then I really liked squats and deadlifts I actually liked clean and jerks and I actually the overhead stuff I have good mobility so I liked that but deadlifts were like my favorite right right and then i was like why do i have to do so many burpees (laughs) why (laughs) but then it was like a weird transition time in my yeah burpees are gross yeah i don't know about you so samantha you were like i'm just gonna i'm just gonna cut this off i'm just gonna just go to powerlifting like screw the rest of this well i was like how can i look strong and good without all that extra cardio yeah. <laughs> and then I realized powerlifting was its whole own thing and I was like this was made for me but I just I like the community of it and I think that's what Tori was getting about with CrossFit because I loved my CrossFit gym like we did competitions together we had like little monthly like family type events and I loved that group so even when I stopped doing CrossFit I didn't want to go back to a commercial gym yeah. I was like I can never go back to a globo gym that is not the yeah. atmosphere that is not for me and -hmm. then that's kind of how I stumbled my way into the powerlifting world and again I don't know I can appreciate the the community sense that they have for each other so Samantha I'm kind of curious right as somebody who has made that transition and I have never been in the powerlifting world exclusively is there is that type of community in the powerlifting world as well as compared to CrossFit oh my gosh so I I mean Tori and I record down here in Redondo Beach mm-hmm. and I live in Orange County which is like about an hour drive from Tori and I was so I'm close gonna be there to in moving December. up here. Oh, Ooh. we should have done this in person. Dang. Oh, we'll have you okay. back for round we'll two. To, yeah, we will. We'll have to have you back. We'll take you to a little happy hour by the beach. Do you guys know Ryan Fisher? I uh, Is he a CrossFitter? Yes. He, he makes a chalk performance online. He's like 
very famous in Orange County. I, I visited him last year. We did a pod. He invited me to California to do a podcast interview. And um, yeah. What gym back. does he go to? Or like, which, which yeah, what's which his gym? CrossFit? It's it's literally his gym. It's called Chalk. It's in Orange County. It's oh, out, no, I it's think. in Costa Mesa. It's oh, like down okay. the street from, I live down the street. I would definitely love to link up when, when uh, I think it's the second week of December, I'll be there. So Chalk and- is literally five minutes. It's in Costa Mesa. I'm in like, I'm five, 10 minutes from that gym. Samantha, you would awesome. love it. It's literally like, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not. I've seen not, it on Instagram. Yeah. It's, it's a very, it's, it's a vibe. The entire gym is just a vibe. And we had, there's all this powerlifting equipment there. You could powerlift there, but, and Ryan's like one of the genuinely best people I've ever met. So I think, I think you guys are both. Okay. Ready. Let's deadlift session. Cause I don't want to do any of your CrossFit stuff, <laughs> but like, and I'm also in, I'm in competition prep right now. I have a competition okay. coming up. So, oh, wow. you what, know, I don't want to go too off program. Okay. So I was supposed to do the LA fit expo on my birthday, the first yeah. weekend of January, but COVID and Los Angeles are mm-hmm. not very good friends. Mm-hmm. Um, so LA County has said no to the LA Fit Expo in January. It's been postponed mm-hmm. till May. Mm-hmm. So I'm not doing that anymore, but mm-hmm. I did just register for one in February. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, I'll be like, yeah, I'm right now. I'm not like officially in meat prep. I'm just doing high volume training, like hypertrophy work. And mm-hmm. then starting around end of November, I'll be in like official meat prep. So, all right. I'm totally going to screw up the podcast here, but Tori, uh, Tori, I apologize, but Sam, I need to know what are your, what's your one rep max back squat, deadlift and bench. Oh, let's oh go. Here we okay. go. <laughs> let's go. All right. So gym one rep max, yeah. I did hit a 303 pound squat. Okay. I had my, my meat in August and mm-hmm. I got red lighted for depth. That oh. shit was depth. Yeah. I will send it to you because okay. I will get your expert opinion. <laughs> okay. I'm going to literally send it to you at the end of this and you can okay. weigh in. It's been a hot okay. topic on the it's podcast. It's been a hot topic everywhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah we had yeah. firemen on the podcast and we discussed my squat depth. For he like was like, he minutes. was like, Sam, you got depth. He was all yeah. in your Yeah, I, I appreciated yeah. that. So that was like a touchy subject. Um, uh-huh. I am like on a mission to redeem myself because I just want to hit my 300 pounds on the platform and have for it sure. like in the records. Yep. But in the gym, I, I hit it the week before in the gym. Mm-hmm. So anyways, mm-hmm. um, bench press. Let's see. Upper body's not my thing, but sure. I did. I, I have kilos. I, I don't do pounds. I did 148 and a half pounds. Okay. 67 and a half kilos. Good, girl. Okay. I'm hoping to go. get a 75 kilo. So that'd be like 165. Okay. I mean, that would be the goal for the next one. Um, deadlift. I did 374 pounds. Uh-huh. 400 pounds is like my goal this year. Like if I don't deadlift 400 pounds, I I'm like on a mission. (laughs) You'll get it. You'll get it. Well, we can talk supplements later because I could probably suggest some. We could probably I could probably suggest some supplements that would get you to a 400 pound deadlift uh, for sure. So I'm all ears. Yeah. Like aside from creatine. Um, that's the main <laughs> one, but the other one that's an ergogenic okay. that not a lot of people know about is simply coffee, black coffee, as strong as possible, 30 minutes prior to, to exercise. Okay. What do you so, think you know. is in here? Cold brew life. Cold yeah, brew life. Yeah, yeah. I literally drink black cold brew while I'm at the gym. That, that's like probably not healthy. I know you're a doctor, but okay. But like, I need it. It's my yep. life. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Yep. Cheers. Yep. No, but it's funny because I have a lot of CrossFit friends who have told me like 
you know, Nick, your numbers are ridiculous. You should do a powerlifting meet. And um, I just, I, I've never, I've done so many, I've done like 20 CrossFit competitions at this point. I've never done a powerlifting meet. So I think my my goal in 2022, I'm going to do a powerlifting meet because- Do I think it! My num- oh. Yeah, yeah. My numbers are-, are Where good. do you live? I live in Denver, Colorado. Denver? I feel like there's not a huge powerlifting- world in denver like that's not yeah yeah i don't actually know of like many powerlifting anyone really in that area well even if i wanted to do a comp i wouldn't go to a to a girl if you knew the if you need the atmosphere in our gym um it's it's a very like my i i credit only my gym for my powerlifting numbers because the atmosphere there is very competitive um the last time we tested all three movements, I have a 495 pound back squat, a 560 pound deadlift, and a 335 for three, not for one bench press. And you're not even like training for strength. No. Which is like a whole different world too. Mm-hmm. So if you were training solely for max strength, you'd be mm-hmm. like, you'd have some probably insane numbers. Mm-hmm. So I want to do it. I just want to do like, it. It's like it's a completely different style of training. When I started yeah. it, I was like, I don't know what this is, but this is. I was like, you y'all live like this? <laughs> you guys are wild. Powerlifters are unwell. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> it's kind of like once you drink the Kool Aid, like with CrossFit. I feel like when I started that, I drank the Kool Aid, and then mm-hmm. I just um, stumbled into powerlifting world, but yeah. Nice. Nice. Okay. Wait, I have a couple questions for you because, um, we actually got quite a lot of questions along this line. So, Mm -hmm. and this was from a couple of our listeners that were tuning in. And so first question being, let's go to supplements because since we were talking about it, what are some supplements? Like what's your thought on supplements maybe in general, and then maybe some supplements you think might help optimize your, uh, your fitness life to some degree. Okay, before we get into that, we have to talk about this first, you guys. I brought the most fabulous gift for all of the parents of my friends, of course, for our family reunion weekend. Let me guess. <laughs> Was it Woo Lube? Oh, here we go. Yes, of course, we had to gift Woo More Play to all of our friends. Why? Because it is literally the most luxurious love oil you've ever tried in your life. I'm literally obsessed with this, you guys. And of course, we have partnered with Woo More Play. We are so excited for this. So if you guys are interested in trying it out for yourselves, head over to WooMorePlay.com and you can use code SELFIE for 50 percent off of the coconut love oil okay wait but the people really do want to know did you use it on your birthday <laughs> we did use it on the birthday okay okay that's all we needed to we know did you guys this is the perfect texture it's not sticky it's long lasting it's smooth it's moisturizing it tastes like frosting it's freaking delicious it's coconut oil based which we love obviously and so you guys don't want to miss out on this. Use, again, code SELFIE, that's C-E-L-L-F-I-E, for 15% off of your coconut love oil. And you're in luck because if you put that woo lube to enough use, <laughs> you're going to end up needing one of these labor nurse birth courses yes, eventually. Yes, you are. You definitely are. So you all remember, we had Liesl on the show, and she went over all of our different online birthing classes and we have a code for you. It's selfie, C-E-L-L-F-I-E 10, and you can get 10% off all labor courses. This is where you can gain knowledge and confidence. You need to erase the unknowns of pregnancy and birth and rock the newborn days like a boss. There is a... 
a birthing course. There's so that's your all natural course. There's a C section course, and then an there's epidural. an epidural course as well. Sign me up for the epidural. Yes, for sure. So you can really get a lot of knowledge base before you go into the birth process. So again, that's code selfie C E L L F I E ten to get ten percent off at Mommy Labor Nurse. Yep, and you guys, hint, hint. This is a great uh, gift for all of your future mommies or your friends or who are coming up. You can gift this to them on um, their baby shower gift. It's yeah, a if great you gift. Actually, be original. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. Yep. Here we go. Cool. So um, my thought on supplements in general is that they the 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 name says it all literally says it all and what i mean by that is all too often too uh too many people want to take supplements and use it to plug deficits in their life that's not the way it works supplements are only supplementary to everything else in your life being ideal so in my opinion if your sleep is ideal if your nutrition is ideal if your stress and stress management is ideal. And then lastly, and the most important one, if your training is present and is ideal, then add supplements, right? Um, and you know, you can't just you can't just not train and then take supplements and expect to get stronger. That's not how it works. Uh, so that's my general thought on supplements. As it pertains to supplements for fitness, um, you know, Samantha's probably seen all of these that I'm about to say, and you probably have too, Tori. But, you know, I think that the, the problem with the supplement industry is that it is not regulated by the FDA. So that's step one. So there's a lot of crap out there. There's a lot of uh, brands that are literally filled with fillers. And the most the most disconcerting and, and damaging thing is that there are a lot of supplements that there was a study, I believe, in 2017 called the Clean protein uh, project. And they did a study and basically they found that there's a lot of um, toxic metals, arsenic, lead, just a whole bunch of toxic metals in supplements that you wouldn't expect. And it kind of makes sense to me because there is no FDA regulation. So it's a, it's a, it's a wild, wild west with these people, you know? So um, in my opinion, the supplements that are best are those that have been researched the most and which with which there is conclusive evidence as to their benefit, right? So um, supplements that I take are, uh, Sam already said one earlier, creatine. Uh, creatine is the most researched supplement out of all supplements. I mean, the amount of studies that have shown beneficial effect with creatine in any number of, of ways uh, is, is pretty awesome. What's crazy is there are recent studies that are actually showing neurocognitive benefits of creatine. So oh, in, in, in your- Lord in knows your, my brain needs that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, you know, even we'll if people like- up our yeah. supply here. Even in people with like dementia, older people, it's, it's very recommended that they take creatine. And another reason that it's recommended that older people take creatine is because they are the people who are most subject to sarcopenia and to steady muscle loss, right? So it's, if you want your mother, if you want your father to be able to be mobile and active um, into their old age, instead of, you know, uh, being, for, for lack of a better word, crippled or, or not able to you know, move their body like they did in the past, it's very important for you to do whatever you can to help them maintain muscle. And one of those things is consistently taking, you know, five grams of creatine daily. Um, I say five grams because that's the, that's the dosage that most people uh, should be taking. However, there are some people who need more than five grams. Uh, 
Additionally, uh, after that, I, I think the next supplement that I would recommend is uh, beta alanine. So beta alanine is stored as carnosine in your muscle belly, and it is released when uh, there uh, is when the pH of your muscle belly drops. And obviously, that's going to happen with high intensity exercise or 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 powerlifting or or anything where you're uh, you know using that muscle excessively. There, there's going to be a lactic acid buildup, and carnosine helps to buffer that lactic acid and essentially help keep you in a state where you can keep moving. So um, when I say that beta alanine is good, people are like, oh, beta alanine is good for endurance. In reality, I, when I think of endurance, I think more heart and lungs. Uh, I, the very specific word that applies to muscles being able to repetitively do motion is stamina, not endurance. So uh, beta alanine is good for muscle stamina. What about beta alanine, like in your pre-workout situation? Cause that's where I like see it a lot. Is that? Yeah. So, so not, Sam, no, bueno, that, okay. That, that frustrates, that frustrates me because, um, beta alanine, I, I believe pre-workouts are, are sold with this idea that, oh, they get you so pumped up for the workout. And then if you talk to someone who takes pre-workout, what's the one thing that they tell you? Oh, it makes me feel like I can feel all the tingles. I'm ready to go. And I'm, and then I'm over here, you know, with my nerdy self, I'm like, you're not, that's not the pre-workout. That's just beta alanine. Yeah. Like, like, I'm sorry. Beta alanine, but, yeah. 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 It's the beta so, alanine itch. Exactly. Exactly. I like, I like the beta alanine itch. <laughs> right. And, and that's completely fine. But I think what's important to, to realize is that it is not, you do not need beta alanine as a pre-workout for it to be effective. Beta alanine, as I told you, is converted and stored in the muscles as carnosine. So because of that, you have to keep in mind because it's stored in the muscle belly, you don't need to take a pre-workout. As long as you are keeping that muscle belly saturated with carnosine by consistently taking uh, approximately four to, to eight grams every single day, as long as you keep that muscle belly saturated, anytime that you need it, anytime you're being activated, your muscle your muscles will, will leach out uh, carnosine and slowly help to buffer that lactic acid. So in my mind, it's the biggest ripoff in the world that, you know, the, the uh, supplement industry has put beta alanine into pre-workout and told you that, oh, you need to take this specifically before your workout. You do not. As long as you're taking it every day of the correct dosage and keeping it saturated, keeping your muscle belly saturated, that's all you need. Um, so, yeah. Do you have um, brand recommendations? I was just going to ask that, like specific brands that you like. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I do. Um, so uh, it, it all goes back to what I told you about earlier, right? That there are is a lot of crap on the market um, and it's unfortunate, but I've tried a lot of beta alanines and a lot of creatines and a lot of them that I've tried over the last 12 years gave me no benefit. And I... I am a little bit terrified of how much heavy metals, how much toxins I've been, you know, taken in from other brands. The brand that I choose now, um, and I actually have a uh, have a, um, a a discount code with them, uh, simply because I've been working exclusively with them, is uh, Blonix. So B L O N Y X dot com. So they have a third party. Uh, testing. So they don't do their own testing. They have third-party testing, which proves that essentially they are the one of the cleanest sources of both HMB creatine and beta alanine. 
Um, and uh, so, yeah, I've been using their product now exclusively for the last two years. And I mean, my gains, especially my strength gains using their stuff has been I, Sam, that's what I would recommend for you. Like specifically, I'm like point. literally like Googling <laughs> it right looking. now. Yeah, it's Cause I'm like, I have creatine, but like, nah, like I, I gotta get this 400 pound deadlift. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I just I take it to. consistently every, I mean, look, look, we're talking right now and it's literally in this, in my bottle. Right. So okay. I have, okay. so this is, um, their protein powder. And then I have the creatine in there and the beta alanine. Um, and then I think there's like a 20. 20- I did not know beta alanine was sold like separately Separate, like that. Yeah. I like literally yes. have only seen it in pre-workouts. So. Exactly. And that's my issue with it, Sam. Um, so yeah, the, <laughs> you can get like a, there's like a 20% discount off of, uh, the Blonix stuff, uh, with the, the code, oh. the, the fittest doc and the, all one word and you take this egg white protein on yes. their website your protein's yep. the egg white one okay because yep. i cannot do whey protein whey exactly. and i are not friends exactly. Whey is trash it makes my skin trash i hate whey protein and, will and, not take and it. let me guess without us going into details because it's kind of disgusting and you know you may or may not be comfortable no, with we it. we all know okay. we all know all right okay so whey protein with a lot of my patients causes a lot of gi distress so um this yes. has i have found I'm, it's not even that i'm that like superficial that it just bothers my like i don't like what it does to my skin got it got it yeah like, so i no. can handle gi discomfort just don't make my skin look bad i get it i get it you're like i, I work too hard for this <laughs> The, the egg white protein, um, I've recommended it to a lot of my patients who cannot tolerate uh, I, a whey isolate. And it's so, I mean, it's literally night. I've literally have had patients who are like, oh, Dr. Nick, I can't, I want protein powder, but I can't take protein powder because all protein powders make my stomach upset. And then I recommend egg white protein to them. And they're like, oh, this is night and day. So it's good stuff. So moving on the list of what else I would recommend, as we talked about earlier, caffeine, um, is an ergogenic. So, um, Sam, you're all about that. You know, you know that that works. The one thing that a lot of people don't necessarily know is that caffeine also causes fatty acid mobilization. So before you're about to go to the gym and do something where let's say you're going to walk on the treadmill for 30 minutes or, or walk on the steer stepper for an hour, you're doing stuff to burn off fat one of the best things you can do is just drink black coffee 20 to 30 minutes beforehand. Um, so keep in mind. So I'm, I'm a very big, I'm a very big believer that words matter, right? So I didn't say it causes fatty acid. I didn't say it causes you to burn fat. I said it causes fatty acid mobilization. So that means that fatty acids are, are, um, essentially liberated into your bloodstream. And if you are being active can then be metabolized by your muscles and can be actively utilized. So, um, so black coffee is a, is a, you know, twofold. It helps in two ways, both. It makes you stronger and it helps with fatty acid mobilization. The other supplement I think is very crucial, especially for you with your skin, Sam. And I think just in general for men period too, is collagen. So I take collagen every single day. Oh, I'm, um, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So both for All your joints, okay. Okay. your joints, your nail, your skin, um, you know, I take, I, I think collagen is a, is a good thing. So, um, those are kind of my, my go-to supplements for fitness. Uh, there are other things that I recommend for fitness, um, but I need to have more of a discussion with my patients, but for people who specifically do things, whether biking or running or CrossFit or things that are endurance based, you can actually separately outside of the gym, train your lungs, specifically the 
and I'm sure you guys remember this stuff from nursing school, the accessory muscles of your of your lungs, right? The intercostal muscles, the anterior scalene muscles, you can train all of those muscles to help you uh, essentially have um, uh, take in more oxygen uh, and breathe out more CO2 when you're when you're stressing your body out with high intensity exercise. So I think, you know, there, there are things that can be done beyond supplements, such as training your lung muscles. And I personally do that, you know, every, every single day. So there, yeah, there are a lot of things when it comes to optimizing your, your fitness. But like I said, all of this stuff is on top of the, the, um, normal things being optimized. So your sleep, your nutrition, your, your exercise, all of those things need to be there. Okay. So I had another question from the listeners, and this is actually one that I think is something that we, it's so funny because just thinking in my personal life, so many guys don't pay attention to, and that is when or why should a guy, right? A healthy guy seek a primary care physician like what is the what's kind of the point like Jacob my husband asked me that last night and I was like well I mean I can think of some basic things but I'm curious from That's your the standpoint problem yeah. is that people don't seek out primary care until they're yes. sick and that's not primary yes. care anymore yes. people cool no dude Samantha, Samantha just did Samantha just did my job for me I'm done it's fine next question <laughs> No, I'm, no, no. I'm really good at that. I know, I know. Hijacking no, 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 people's job. No, Samantha, you're totally right. But but here's a question. Here's and you guys know this as well as I do. This is why in this country, 70% of people use the emergency mm -hmm. room as their primary care doctor. Like, why are you Absolutely. going into the emergency room for something you should be going to your PCP for? And then they want to blame their, their, whoever the ER doctor is, they want to blame their ER doctor. Like, oh yeah, this crappy ER doctor gave me this medication that, that did this to me. Well, think about it. Is that the ER doc's fault or is it your fault? Because you didn't go to a doctor whose values, whose mindsets, you know, anything about you basically went to some rando person and then you're expecting them to work miracles when in reality, you should be going to somebody who you're aligned with and who knows that, oh, Betty does not want to be put on blood pressure medications. Betty would much rather, you know, make lifestyle changes and revisit this in, in three months to see if her blood pressure drops naturally without taking lisinopril. But no, you want to, at, you know, you being Betty, you want to blame the ER doc, you know, because you're you have an issue when in reality, you should have chosen a primary care doc. So I think what I would say to your husband, Tori, and what I say to a lot of guys and a lot of women too, the quickest analogy I can make is this. Everybody knows you need to change your engine oil and your oil filter in your car regularly. Why is it? that people know that preventative maintenance in a car, whether rotating your tires or balancing your, your, your wheels or changing your oil filter, why is it that people know that you shouldn't wait until the car breaks down before you go in and get things proactively checked? If you know that about your car and you're not and you don't have that same mindset about your body, then you are effectively telling me that you value your car more than you value your body. Yeah, 100%. Literally, that is always the analogy I use, too. Yeah. Like, so what, what are you going to wait wanna... and tow your car off the well, side okay. of the road? So we all get that. But what are some questions or maybe some things that they should go into the appointment with? Or maybe some things that they should consider that they should, quote unquote, rotate the tires? Like, what are those things to you that are important that everyone should be checking? So um, 
I, I believe, uh, like most primary care docs do, that every patient, even the, mo even the healthiest of patients, need, at the very least, an annual visit. And in your annual visit, you're going to simply talk to your doctor about all of these things that we talked about earlier, which should be optimized such that we hopefully prevent problems. Because a good primary care doctor is not necessarily reactive they are more so proactive. They're able to look at your lifestyle and be like, hey, I, I legit saw a patient last week who was getting four hours of sleep every night. And in his mind, that's normal. There's nothing wrong with that. And I'm talking to him and I'm telling him, do you understand that there are a litany of risks that are associated with chronic sleep deprivation for your entire life? One of which is dementia. People who have chronic sleep deprivation uh, uh, later on in life have much higher risks of Alzheimer's and other forms of dementia, right? So effectively, if I can communicate that with a patient and they listen to me and they increase the amount of sleep that they're getting, all of a sudden I have prevented something that they could very well, whether 10 years or 20 years in the future, they could have gone to their doctor for complaining about and potentially been disappointed that there is no treatment for, and they just have to live with this. So I, I personally believe a good, a good primary care doctor isn't simply just reactive. We have to be proactive. And part of being proactive is you have to ask the necessary questions about, like I said, right, their diet, their sleep, their new, their, 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 uh, their, um, their exercise, their stress and, and how they're handling things in terms of, right, anxiety and depression usually have things that precede them. If the, the, uh, diagnoses of, of anxiety and depression are ones where if you are asking good enough questions as a doctor, you can see it coming at, or you can at least identify risk factors that increase the, the risk that people are going to suffer from a mood disorder. And then you can help steer them away from that so that, you know, they don't have their mood disorder. So, you know, in addition to ordering the, the annual labs, like I talked about, like I, I, all, I definitely think it's a very important thing to look into the patient's lifestyle and then you know, as a doctor, you don't have to be antagonistic. I'm not like my guy last week. I wasn't like, why the hell are you only sleeping four hours a week? I instead asked him, okay, what do you think is preventing you from sleeping longer than that? From sleeping seven hours or eight hours? Is, is there anything that is materially preventing you from increasing the duration of sleep? And then I shut up and I listen to him and he tells me, you know, what things are preventing him. And, and then I offer, I offer potential strategies or ways to mitigate whatever is impeding his, uh, his sleep. So, um, in terms of what labs I order for the, my annual labs, I order a CMP, CBC lipids, TSH with reflex T4. And that TSH with reflex T4 is just my initial overview because the thyroid is one of these things where especially in women that I've noticed many many women have uh, either subclinical hypothyroidism or overt hypothyroidism and then many times their their hypothyroidism can be reversed by um, uh, changes in their lifestyle that potentially let's say uh, um, you know, they have certain things in their lifestyle that are increasing their reverse t3 reverse t3 is something that you can Quite literally, if you find the the um, cause of what it, whatever's you know making it be very elevated, and you eliminate that cause, all of a sudden you can fix somebody's hypothyroidism. So 
Um, like I said, TSH or the Reflex T4 is just my initial test. And then I have an entire bunch of tests that I order on top of that if, if that happens to be an issue. So then after TSH, vitamin D, which I think is very important. And then one thing that I think is very important in men, because there is an epidemic going on in men that a, a lot of people don't know about, is testosterone. I order testosterone and look at kind of where they're at now, because a lot of men do not know that since the 1980s, there's been a prolific drop in the testosterone level of men. Um, average levels since the 1980s, since the 1980s, average levels of testosterone have been declining by about by about 1% per year. So, you know, the average adult male right now in uh, in uh, um, in uh, 2021 has about a 20 to 25% uh, lower testosterone than somebody of the same age in 1987. So, you know, there are there are issues here. There are issues here that people don't necessarily know about, and I think it's very important to, to bring it up. Here's another, this is totally an aside here, but I've noticed that I am noticing erectile dysfunction in much younger men than I ever have in the past. And usually this is a lifestyle thing. This isn't me, you know, I don't need to put them on testosterone for, for this, but the one correlate, the one um, common thread that I notice between all these cases is porn. There are way too many um, young men now, and I'm talking like people, I, I, I once had a 24 year old ask me for Viagra. And I was like, the like almost, I almost looked at him like, what the hell do you want with, why would you need Viagra? You're 24, why would you need yeah. this? Lo and behold, right? Like I said, it's it's a it's a it's a physician's job to not necessarily be judgmental, but you have to be very curious, right? A good doctor is nothing more than a detective. So I started asking questions, and lo and behold, this this twenty four year old was masturbating to way too much porn, almost on a daily basis, and that is a common thread that I'm seeing between uh, very young men having erectile dysfunction is just way too much porn. Uh, uh, consumption and, and masturbating to porn. And then you have to keep in mind, anytime that you're masturbating to this stuff as, as a male, you're literally changing. You guys know about neuroplasticity like I do. So you're changing the, yeah, I was just going to say like digital exactly. health. Yeah. So, so mm -hmm. mental yeah. health, ultimately health. I've, yeah. I've, I've definitely gone off the, the tracks with the original answer to that question. So I apologize, but yeah, I think it's, it's very important. No, it's, it's great. It's, it's very important great. to ask kind of questions that reveal the um that reveal the full picture you can't just i'm the type of doctor who i don't believe in just throwing pills at a patient you have to review you have to peel back the layers so to speak and reveal everything about the situation reveal what could be risk factors and then obviously when you reveal risk factors you're gonna find modifiable risk factors and you are gonna find non-modifiable risk factors, non-modifiable risk factors, race, age, sex. I can't do anything about that. It is what it is, right? But the modifiable risk factors, if you find them, change them, right? Don't just throw the patient on medications and hope that, and, and hope that things will, will get better. You know, when lo and behold, in this country, we have an issue where way too many people have side effects from medications, right? I mean, people will literally get on one drug to 
to to to alleviate to mitigate their symptoms from being on another drug like that blows my mind so yeah i think anything that you can do as a doctor to keep your patients off of unnecessary medications is something you should be doing something that i think is so i mean just on a tan on that tangent and why we wanted to bring you on here today is because i think this is just primary care is so undervalued in our well, it's country not properly utilized right and it frustrates me because i can name so many people that i don't even know the last if they've ever had labs drawn ever right i'm like you don't have any idea what's going on under the hood of your own personal right. body vehicle and it's and again they're waiting until they're sick and yeah it's well just... and what i love what i love is you are really in this modern day approach and there's a lot of primary care physicians I see that are doing this. You're taking on patients and you're making it accessible to them. And not only that, you're giving them quality access to a doctor who genuinely cares, who's possibly up their lifestyle, who has some really great recommendations. I'm just really curious from your standpoint, like who's your ideal patient? Like people who are coming to you, like, well, who's your person that you like to see? I think I think anyone can be an ideal client just as well just as long as they have the the same general values that I do right I think a general value that I have is that um you are the the leader you are the arbiter of your of your health and what I mean by that is that you know ultimately your health comes down to you uh whether a patient goes to a nurse practitioner or goes to a doctor um ultimately we are just guides. We're, we're literally just guides. We're, we're, we are health guides, right? Where um, a patient, ultimately, we can tell a patient whatever we'd like, but they're going to go home and they are going to make the decision that they're going to make. We're not going to be there, right? With, you know, make, you know, uh, making them do whatever we, we, we told them to do. So I think the best patient, my ideal patient is just somebody who is very curious about their health. Once they want better for themselves, they want to be healthy. They realize that, that out of all the, all the aspirations in life, that health is the one that should be above all. I've, I've literally had this argument with people where, you know, when I, when I ask them, you know, what is the most important thing? Some people will say family or some people will say faith or some people will say their career. And then I'm able to trump them by, by saying, no, your health is the most important thing because without your health, you cannot enjoy any one of those things. Exactly. So, so, yeah. So, so essentially, I think my ideal patient is just the patient who understands that, that their health is necessary for them to enjoy anything else in life. And, um, and then, you know, people who understand that tend to make good decisions. They, they may need information, whether from a nurse practitioner or for, from a doctor, they may need information, they may need guidance. But once you give them that guidance, once you give them that knowledge, once you share with them that information, they usually make the best decision for themselves. I love that. Um, so speaking to someone who wants to contact you, like if they, you know, can you see patients in other states? Like, are you able to take other people as well? Because I know a lot of people who are listening today may be interested in seeking out and seeing you potentially. Yeah, I have, um, at this point, I think I've li I'm licensed to practice medicine in 33 states. So um, I see patients exclusively exclusively online um, uh, as a concierge uh, primary care doctor. Um, I think the best way, because I'm not going to lie, like this alignment stuff, I think it's very important. So I think the best way is um, I've, I've just had patients. I have a lot of 
Instagram followers who have reached out to me um, and just they tell me, okay, you know, hey, Dr. Nick, I want to be your your patient. How do we make this happen? And, you know, how do we set up a first appointment? And then I usually like to ask them questions and just find out are are we aligned? Right. I like to find out, you know, their last doctor, how did they feel about their communication with their last doctor? Did they feel that it was a conducive relationship where, you know, he or she had their best interests at heart? as a patient um, or, or was it very antagonistic? Did they hate their old doctor? Kind of, you know, what the story was and then kind of what they're hoping to, to get from me, what type of relationship they're hoping to establish. Um, and then once I determine that we're definitely aligned and on the same page and it would be a, a good patient, uh, a good doctor-patient relationship, then I can absolutely get them set up with, with an appointment. Well, actually, no. I got ahead of myself. The first, the most important thing is I have to find out that I am, I have to um, determine that I am licensed to practice medicine in their state. And like I told you earlier, because of how many states I'm licensed in, it is definitely probable that I am licensed to practice uh, with them. Um, uh, and as long as that's the case, then I find out if we're aligned. And then if we're aligned, then, you know, I, I set them up for, for the first appointment and we go for there. That's awesome. I feel like we should just have you on again. Oh, yeah. We should do a whole new well, section because no. there was a when lot of different. Back, no, we need to do one in person. Yeah, for I, sure. In-person interviews are the jam. Let's do it. In in December when I'm, uh, we'll do part two in December. And um, yeah, just save all the questions until then. Hopefully, you know, people like this interview. And um, if, if people do like this interview and they. No, this has been great. This will be nice because we can um, put question box up for like Another follow one. up questions to today's interview, which yeah. I think will spur like some really good questions. Cool. I yeah. agree. Awesome. Before we head out, where can everybody find you? Pimp yourself out. Um, yeah, I think the, the best platform to reach out to me on and uh, especially if you're looking to be a patient is Instagram. My um, Instagram uh, handle is the fittest doc, all one word, just the fittest doc. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm usually pretty responsive to direct messages. Um, unless I'll just leave it at that. I'm usually pretty responsive to direct messages. And, uh, <laughs> we all yeah, feel yeah, you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, yeah, definitely reach out to me on that. And then, um, you know, if uh, usually from there, then I can set up their first appointment, you know, uh, like, like we talked about. So yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on and, awesome. and having a little bit of fun. Yeah, thank Having, you so we, much. We definitely had a meathead, nerdy, a nerdy meathead discussion. So I'm <laughs> I'm happy with that. That's like my favorite right, thing right. ever. I'm like, yes. This is perfect. Science yeah. and weights. Yes, exactly. And gains. And lots of gains. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. Thank you so much, Dr. Nick. We yep. appreciate it. All right. I can't wait for Jacob oh, to book an appointment with him. We're going to do that right now, you guys. Um, I highly recommend this for anyone out there who's wanting to get in touch with a doctor. Like, I think it's great. That's why we bring on people like this. Well, I think it's great to actually use primary care as it's intended, as health prevention and maintenance and not waiting until you're sick to see a doctor. Absolutely. So if you guys are interested, definitely head over, send him a DM. Um, we actually might be doing another follow-up episode because there were so many questions we didn't even get to that I had for him. Oh, we left out like a whole page worth. Plus, now that you guys kind of got a feel for what what he's all about, mm -hmm. we want to hear from you because we're going to plan to do an in-person interview yeah. in December. Really so excited. 
Give us your uh, updated questions. What do you really want to know from Dr. Nick? Yeah, for sure. And thank you so much, you guys, as always, for listening. Make sure you're following us on our Insta. That's at C-E-L-L-F-I-E underscore podcast. Check out the link in the bio. That's where we have all the goodies there for you guys. And please, as always, we appreciate the support so much. Every time you leave a review, it helps us grow. It helps us bring you better content. So Download, subscribe, and leave that five-star review. Leave your Instagram handle, and we will send you a little thank you goodie bag full of stickers, pins, all the good stuff. Absolutely. And make sure you're following us on our Insta. That's at Nurse Tori. And at Hey Samantha with two A's. And we will see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.